Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to Naranda Incomes Fund's first quarter 2020 results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following management's presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session open to analysts and investors only. Instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for questions. If anyone has any difficulty hearing the conference, please press star followed by zero for operator assistance at any time. I would like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded today, May 14, 2020 at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I will now turn the conference over to Liana Sintoma, Chief Executive Officer of Canadian Electrolytic Zinc Limited the funds manager. Please go ahead. Thank you, operator, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Also joining me this morning is Paul Enerson, Chief Financial Officer of Canadian Electrolytic Zinc Limited, the funds manager. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to slide three of the presentation regarding forward-looking information. During the course of today's presentation, we will be making a number of forward-looking statements that are based on certain assumptions and subject to a number of risk factors outlined on this slide. As a result, Naranda Income Fund cannot guarantee that any forward-looking statement will materialize, and you are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements. Please note that all dollar amounts in this presentation are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise indicated. We usually begin our call by providing a financial overview of the quarter, but before I do that, I would like to acknowledge the unprecedented situation we all find ourselves in, as well as the incredible efforts of everyone currently working at our processing facility or from home due to COVID-19. Throughout the second half of the month of March, the government of Quebec took increasingly strict measures to curb the spread of COVID-19. This included in late March, temporarily suspending or limiting operations and commercial activities not deemed essential for an indeterminate period of time. As a zinc metal, copper cake, and sulfuric acid manufacturer, our operations were recognized as essential, and we have been able to maintain our operations and production levels throughout the pandemic. We did suspend all non-essential activities and projects not required for the regular maintenance of our operations until further notice. We implemented the required hygiene, cleaning, and physical distancing measures, as well as numerous other operational procedures adapted to our plant to curb the spread of COVID-19 and to ensure the health of our employees, contractors, and suppliers. I am extremely proud of the strong collaboration of everyone involved and the hard work and dedication of our employees in these challenging circumstances. It has been nearly two months since these measures have been taken and we continue to operate without significant disruption and no effort is being spared to keep on the same path. While reopening plans in the province have been announced or are underway, we expect that the public health directives 
and new operating procedures will need to remain in place for the foreseeable future. Now turning to our financial performance in the first quarter ended March 31. The team's success in improving maintenance and production the second half of 2019, combined with effective cost control throughout the quarter, resulted in a strong operational and financial performance. As mentioned, despite the new operating procedures that were quickly put in place towards the end of the quarter, we have maintained stable operating rates. Looking at our top-line performance, there was a significant improvement over the same period last year. Earnings before income taxes were $11.5 million, compared to a loss of $23.1 million. This in part due to increased production volumes in 2020, along with improved treatment charges, partially offset by lower zinc prices. Adjusted EBITDA was $17.2 million, compared to a loss of $0.8 million, due to higher production volumes and treatment charges. Production costs were slightly and primarily reflect higher were, sorry, production costs were up slightly and primarily reflect higher energy costs due to higher production and lower rebates. But unit production costs themselves were lower. Other important milestones in the quarter included reporting the terms of Glencore Canada under which zinc concentrate will be purchased and zinc metals sold for the period 2020-2021. Subsequent to this quarter end, we also amended our $180 million ABL, which Paul will be giving you more color on. Turning to slide six, as mentioned, production was up and we maintained normal operating rates throughout the quarter. Zinc metal production increased 4% to 67,425 tons from 64,654 tons in Q1 2019. Zinc metal sales totaled 68,059 tons, up 5% from 64,646 tons in Q1 2019. In conjunction with our Q4 release, we set our 2020 annual production and sales volume target to between 260,000 and 270,000 tons. Based on our performance to date, we remain on target. However, our ability to sustain our current performance, both in terms of production and profitability, is subject to significant uncertainty due to the factors beyond our control caused by COVID-19 and the current worldwide economic disruption. This includes a potential impact on our supply of concentrate, and since we operate on market terms, lower zinc prices and treatment charges. On the supply side, concentrate inventory levels continue to be variable due to large and irregular offshore deliveries of concentrate and the need to maintain feed mix to optimize production. We are also closely monitoring mine closures and restarts in the context of the pandemic. During Q1, local mine deliveries, local mines delivered in excess of their forecasted amounts, which benefited production but did increase inventory levels. Quantity and quality of concentrate mix we currently hold will help reduce the risk of feed shortages or suboptimal feed mix in the near term. In terms of zinc prices, after seeing a steady decline through 2019 and into Q1, we saw a significant decrease in March. Our hedging has delayed this impact, but the impact is expected to be felt to a greater degree in the second quarter. Looking at spot treatment charges, these have also experienced important declines since year-end. Keep in mind that our treatment charges are determined upon receipt. 
This buys us a bit of time based on inventory levels that we currently have, but nonetheless, we expect this impact to be increasingly felt in the next quarter. If you look at some of our key performance drivers on the next slide, zinc concentrate and secondary feed processed was 134,869 tons up from 132,692 tons in 2019. Zinc grade was slightly higher at 53%. Zinc recovery was also slightly higher at 96.8%. Average LME zinc price was much lower, as mentioned, at 97 cents a pound compared to $1.23 a pound for the same period last year. The average foreign exchange rate was 74 cents. The economic impact of COVID-19 on commodity prices and treatment charges isn't negligible. We continue to monitor the situation closely and to focus on the elements we can control by operating efficiently and safely in these unprecedented circumstances. Paul, over to you. Thank you, Liana, and good morning, everyone. Net revenues in the first quarter of 2020 were $56.5 million compared to $19.2 million in the same period in 2019. The significant increase is in large part due to a gain on financial instruments, which offset lower revenues from zinc sales. Looking at the EBITDA trend from quarter to quarter, production issues and low treatment charges negatively impacted performance in the first half of 2019. In the second half of the year, we see the stabilization of our production and the impact of higher treatment charges coming into effect. The fourth quarter of 2019 and the first quarter of 2020 were impacted by fluctuations in realized zinc prices. Q1 2020 EBITDA in part reflects higher production volumes and treatment charges compared to the same period last year. Performance was also impacted by some early pandemic effects on zinc prices, but these were offset by gains on financial instruments. Turning now to cash provided by operating activities, for Q1 2020, we are at $8.6 million compared to $7.5 million in Q1 2019, including a negative $9.7 million increase in non-cash working capital due to an increase in inventories, partially offset by an increase in accounts payable and a decrease in receivables. As mentioned by Liana, inventory levels increased due to higher than expected deliveries from local mines in the quarter. CapEx for the quarter came in at $7.3 million. Capital spending included $2.6 million on asset plant and roaster equipment, $1.6 million on anodes in the cell house, and the balance on sustaining capital. Finally, turning to slide 14, the fund's debt was $134.5 million, down from $136 million at the end of December 2019. Working capital excluding the ABL facility, was $222 million compared to $216.1 million at year-end. This in part reflects higher inventory levels. Subsequent to the quarter end, the fund agreed to an amendment of its ABL for a term to maturity of July 20, 2023 or on February 1, 2022, if the supply and processing agreement with Glencore is not renewed past May 1, 2022. The ABL limit remains at $180 million with improved terms surrounding the borrowing base calculation. The borrowing base was augmented by 85% of the appraised net orderly liquidation value of our anodes and cathodes. The additional reserve of $15 million Canadian dollars has been reduced to nil 
and the excess availability threshold revised from 20% to 15% of availability. Finally, during the quarter, we also reported on the annual terms with Glencore as per our SPA. For the period between May 1, 2020 and April 30, 2021, the purchases of zinc concentrates will be made at variable treatment charges that fluctuate in line with market movements, as well as other provisions in the four-year agreement that are confidential. The Fund and Glencore Canada have agreed upon a fixed premium price on zinc metal sales for the same contractual period. Looking at our outlook in this context, we remain on target to meet our annual production and sales volume guidance, but uncertainty remains regarding the potential impact of COVID-19 on our production and profitability. From a public health perspective, we are closely monitoring the government response to COVID-19 and the evolution of the outbreak as the province proceeds with its reopening plan. From a market perspective, we are seeing an important decrease in zinc prices with the refined zinc market under pressure due to curtailment of activity in the automotive manufacturing and construction sectors. CRU and Wood Mackenzie are forecasting zinc prices between 80 cents per pound and 95 cents per pound throughout the remainder of 2020. Mine closures have reduced concentrate inventories, putting downward pressure on treatment charges, specifically in March and April. Wood Mackenzie has reported that the average Chinese imported spot treatment charges for April were approximately $185 per ton, but they expect a rebound in the latter half of the year as mines restart and increase concentrate supply. We are closely monitoring mine closures and restarts in the context of the pandemic to ensure our own source of supply down the road. Our current inventory levels will help reduce the near-term risk of feed shortages or suboptimal feed mix. In this environment and given the uncertainty regarding the length and extent of the impact of COVID-19, both from a public health and economic perspective, we are focused on maintaining our production and operational cadence, on operating safely, and on maintaining our COVID-19 preventative measures while closely monitoring the evolving situation. That concludes our remarks. <clears throat> Operator, back to you. And in order to ask a question, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. And your first question comes from the line of Ben Franklin with River XSTYX Cap. Hi, guys. Um, there was uh, a 0 0.8 million interest expense to Glencore during the quarter, or 8% of the market cap on an annualized basis. With the change in the ABL, do you think you will still have to pay Glencore interest expense for the remainder of the year? Uh, based on what your expectations are, and uh, I have one follow-up as well. Uh, yeah, good morning. Um, the additional uh, lending capacity that the amended terms will give us will reduce the amount of interest that we would be paying to Glencore. Uh, it would allow us to be better at paying, uh, making our payments on time and uh, reduce that impact, but there will probably still be some uh, some. Uh, Lending that's required through the uh, working capital with Glencore, and I would expect to still see some uh, some interest uh, to Glencore being paid as a result of that. Okay, thank you. And then, um, what one other question? When do, when do negotiations begin on renewing the SPA 
beyond the initial four-year term um, ending in April 22? Uh, you know, we're not uh, involved in that from a management point of view. That's the uh, the, the independent uh, trustees that are that are starting or or, or responsible for that. And I'm I'm sorry, I don't know what their timeline is or what their um, what the status of that is. That that's okay. Um, do do you? Ben? We seem to have lost Ben. Okay. Not sure if we can get him back or not. He seems to have another question, but um, maybe he'll come back on. And your next question comes from the line of Stephen Lynn with ABC Capital Management. Hi, good morning. Good morning. morning. Yes. Um, So my first question is relating to the um, raw material purchase costs. So for Q1 2020, I see that realizing price decrease, unit production costs decrease, and production in other expense decrease. But why did raw material purchase costs increase? I think you'll also notice that we have a a write down of uh, our inventories in the quarter. As the uh, zinc price increased in the quarter, uh, the uh, the inventory that I have were, were purchased at at zinc prices higher than um, higher than, than than what we started with the quarter. So there was a write down there, and I believe the number is about twenty six million dollars of a write down that we incurred in the quarter. So, on the moving forward basis for 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 further quarters, would this um, write down continue to be the significant amount? Uh, it's going to depend on your zinc prices going forward. Uh, what we mm-hmm. see from what we see with from CRU and um, and Woodmax is have uh, low low zinc prices in the next few quarters. So yes. as as zinc as as zinc comes on to the into the inventory balance and, and depending on what price we bought that zinc at, the terms are different um, depending on what shipments we're coming in at. And, and the pricing is different for for each shipment to a certain extent, so there may be impacts on that depending on uh, the future zinc prices. Okay, so um, just to elaborate on that, so I see that in the uh, inventory managed program, real life gain for this quarter, 20, about 27 million. Is that related to this issue as well? Yeah, it is, um, and there's a bit of um, timing difference on that with the inventories. Uh, you know, we write those down at the end of the quarter based on on the zinc price that we've got there. The the hedging program is is based on the uh, zinc that we have an exposure to, the zinc price exposure, which may be different than the inventory that we're actually holding on uh, at the end of the quarter. So there there is often uh, a difference in the impact in the quarter on on those two different elements, and so you will have some noise, and we certainly saw that last year. Uh, especially between Q3 and Q4, where the timing of the uh, the uh, zinc price changes and the amount of zinc that we were holding in inventory versus the amount of zinc that we had exposure to under the uh, hedging program were different. And so you do see some noise between quarters in some cases uh, as you go forward. So. Right. So it's a reasonable to assume if zinc price stays at current low levels, this amount, around $20 million of real life gain, it's reasonable moving forward. 
Um, no, I don't think it's reasonable to, to, to extrapolate that number going forward. It is going to change on a uh, monthly and quarterly basis. Again, depending on the fluctuations in the, in the zinc prices, the terms of the, uh, the, different, uh, the different sales of zinc and purchases of zinc concentrate as well as the volume of zinc that we have uh, in inventory. So uh, there will be some fluctuations there as we go forward. Or put it the other way. So if zinc price keeps dropping, it's likely to be a realized gain rather than a realized loss. On the, invent on the uh, hedging program, yes. Okay. Um, but then offset by losses on the inventory side. And again, mm -hmm. uh, there is, uh, you know, as, as, um, as uh, the terms on the purchases and sales of zinc are not always the same, there, it's, not a, it's not as simple as taking uh, the same amount of zinc in the inventory versus the amount of zinc you've got in your hedging program. There are differences. In some cases, we will have more zinc in the hedging program versus what we have in inventory, and, and other times we will have less. So there is um, some fluctuations there, and it does have an impact on our quarterly, uh, monthly and quarterly results. And, and it's, not, uh, it's not as simple as taking, uh, as taking uh, six, six on one side and a half a dozen any, on the other. Okay. And your next question comes from the line of John Barton. I have a couple of quick questions. First, on your cash flow statement, you show a use of $35 million in inventory, but the change in the accounts on the balance sheet is $9 million. Is that, is there, what, could you just plug the difference for me? That's uh, reflecting the write-off, $26 million write-off. Okay, so on, on the write-off then, and, and following up on the question from the previous questioner about you know, derivative gains and losses in your hedging program, can you just, your Financials say that your hedging program, your derivatives don't qualify, uh, according to your uh, auditor, to be called a hedging program. What's the difference? Why is that? And what's your philosophy with hedging inventory? It's one thing to have a hedge against the zinc sales that you anticipate, but you're carrying a lot of zinc inventory and showing, as you've described it, noise from quarter to quarter. So if you can just step back and tell me what the intention of the company is to insulate itself from volatility and sink prices. I appreciate that. Sure. So the, the, the approach we have is, is not to make or lose money on the derivative instrument program, on the hedging program. What we do in the, in the financial statements is we, we're marked marketing on the derivative instruments, and we're also adjusting our uh, inventory values on a lower cost in market basis. They should offset over time? It should offset over time, exactly. Now, the, the issue with the accounting side of things, we, we don't follow hedge accounting, so we're not taking that hedged, uh, the derivative instrument value and baking it into our inventory values. We're marked to market in everything at, at every month end and every quarter end. For the derivative instrument, what we're doing is we're hedging our zinc price exposure, so it's not necessarily what we have in inventory, as I've mentioned. Um, you know, sometimes we're getting, um, we'll get a shipment in, for example, uh, but the pricing on that won't be for uh, a month or two in advance. So it might be sitting in inventory, uh, but we don't have zinc price on it because the, uh, the zinc price on that particular contract, that particular delivery, has not yet been set. The same thing happens on the zinc sales side. We could sell some zinc, uh, but we don't, what the, don't know what the price is at the, at yet. So we still have zinc exposure on that uh, zinc, even though it's no longer in our inventory. So we'll be hedging against that to make sure that 
anything that we've got, any zinc exposure that we have is protected on our position. We're not hedging, we're not hedging our production or sales for, for, a, for the entire year. We're, we're hedging what our zinc price exposure is at any given time. And can you talk a little bit about working capital efficiency? We, we carry a large um, inventory balance. We have a lot of credit extended to our main customer whose inventory that is um, in accounts receivable, and our payables don't begin to match that. Can we not extract a couple of 10 million out of our working capital accounts with, um, with some greater efficiency there? I think we, like, we need to look at, we had a number of conversations on this with a number of different investors. I think we have to look at things from a big picture point of view. What happens on the, um, on the sales side of things is at the end of every month, we sell uh, our declared volume to Glencore. We don't actually have finished goods inventory. So on the receivable side, what we see there is to a certain extent, uh, we have part of our fixed finished goods inventory is, is sitting inside uh, the receivable balance. Um, with respect to the inventory levels, uh, we are, um, you know, we have a good portion of our, our feed is coming locally, but in order to optimize our production support, we do need to have an appropriate mix of inventory, and those need to come from a variety of different sources. Uh, one particular source may be high in mercury, another high in, in, uh, in manganese, and we need to respect the limits of the plant that we have here, and in order to do that, we have an appropriate mix. Uh, some of that stuff that's coming in is coming offshore. It's coming in 10, 20, 25,000 ton boats that take uh, some time to organize and some time to arrive. On the other side, we do have local, uh, the local mines here who do operate uh, very efficiently, but there are uh, production uh, fluctuations at those mines that are not uh, necessarily easy to predict, and they do come at a very short notice. So, for example, as Leanna mentioned her, in her discussion, we did have uh, a large volume of local deliveries in this quarter, which is great for us. It gets more zinc throughput, but, um, but it does mean that, that at a very short notice, we've received more local concentrate, and we can't just turn around and send boats back that are, uh, that are, that are in the middle of the ocean. We need to, we need to accept that, that inventory to keep operating and to keep going forward. So it's a matter of, of managing our mix here for optimal throughput, and there will be times when we will have inventory values that are a bit higher because local mines have overproduced versus their forecast, and in some cases lower because they've underproduced. Sounds like that should be on their balance sheets, but, but thank you. Thank you for the answer. Thank you for, uh, thank you. And your next question comes from the line of Gordon Bubb, private investor. Uh, good morning. Uh, and uh, congratulations on on an excellent uh, quarter from both an operational and uh, an earnings standpoint. I have a, a, a comment and then a couple of questions. Uh, at March 31st, uh, Miranda's book value was just a touch under $5 a share, and your working capital, less all liabilities, was approximately Canadian $1.65 a share. And the stock closed yesterday at $1.10 a share. <clears throat> I've never seen such a disparity between asset values and share price for what is currently a very profitable company. I think a little more investor relations would go a long way 
to reduce this disparity between share price and, uh, and asset value. And my questions now are, could you tell us how much zinc concentrate you had in inventory <clears throat> at the end of the first quarter? And my second question is, can you explain the reason for the 4.8 million deferred income tax charge as it resulted in an apparent 55% tax rate for the quarter? So thank you, Gordon. Um, yeah, we're also very happy with the quarter and especially happy that um, we've been able to operate safely and um, we haven't had any um, any incidents of, of COVID-19 on on the premises here, so we're very uh, very happy with uh, with the safety record over the over the quarter. It was not an easy quarter to to work through, and uh, again, we commend our our employees and contractors, uh, suppliers for allowing us to produce uh, very well during the quarter, and uh, to do it safely. With respect to the inventory, uh, we've got 137,000 tons of concentrate on the inventory at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter. And with respect to deferred income taxes, uh, you know, some of the impact on that is respect, with respect to the fluctuations in foreign exchange and the, the gains or losses that, that are associated with that. Okay, and uh, one other question is: <clears throat> there was a uh, 5.8 million dollar reduction in employee benefits. Can, could you explain the uh, reason for that? Yeah, there's a fluctuation in interest rates in the quarter and on the pension side there's uh, the, the discount rate or the uh, yeah, the discount rate is uh, is an important element of the uh, of, of the costing of that. And thank you and at this time there are no further audio questions. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.